Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. Common concern is always money. Welcome to today's program. We have got a program lined up for you today with just a lot of information, education, and we're going to, of course, always try to throw a little humor just to make it, you know, a very interesting program. Remind you, you can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast. And, of course, you can just always give us some kind of an idea of what you think. Just uh, encourage us or just critique us. We do not mind both ways. Today's program, we have Mr. Greg Villiers. He is the political analyst. He is the guy that really does a great job of understanding what's going on in, in Washington. He is with AGF Investments and has always done a great job many times on the program. Greg, welcome to the program, sir. I am excited about hearing what you think is going on in Washington. Well, it's great to be back, Jim. Do you, I mean, just for our listeners, I, I kind of know this, but you've been doing this for how long now? I mean, I know it's longer than five years, and you tell me how <laughs> Probably about 40, yeah, something like that. You yep. know, and the good part about it is you've been through multiple presidents. I guess my first thought for you, do you really see that Washington has such a huge effect or not so effect when it comes to what we think about going on in the economy? Well, I think Washington has a big impact on two fronts. And one is monetary, and that's the Federal Reserve. And the other is, uh, monetary, is uh, fiscal policy, uh, spending by Congress. I think you could argue that Congress uh, got a little crazy, and now we're paying a price for it with higher inflation. Well, that's a good point. I guess that leads me to this question, then. Will there be any tax changes from Congress this year? I don't see it, Jim, for the following reason. The new Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, has made it clear that if he gets any legislation from the Senate, which is controlled narrowly by the Democrats, he'd kill it. So if the Democrats send over a tax hike on capital gains or the estate tax, it would die in the House. Well, that's uh, that kind of I think it's comforting because a lot of people think about that. But this raises the other question. You hear this ball being bounced back and forth. And I I think it's kind of the norm. It's a political ball. It's Social Security. Would you say it's safe? I mean, there are is there going to be changes? I think it's safe for now, Jim. I, I know there have been some politicians who said we need to take a look at it to make it sustainable, uh, to put it on more solid footing. But when anybody starts to talk about changes in Social Security, it gets really controversial in a hurry. So I, I'd say that the chances of any significant change uh, are remote. Uh, maybe in a decade or so, they're going to have to do something, but it's not going to happen now. You know, I think so many people fear that, but you're saying a decade or so, so they got to keep pushing that volleyball or ping pong ball, whatever you want to call it, just down the, kicking it down the road. I guess the point is, we know that at some point we've got to do something. But let me ask you this. This is a, more in the horizon, the immediate horizon. We talk about inflation. We talk about a recession. We talk about jobs, all the things that go on that we can talk about currently. But there, there is that subject 
were the U.S. default on its debt. We're talking about balancing the budget. We're talking about China, all the issues there. So all that wraps up into this problem. How do you think the markets will react if, boy, this is tough for me to ask, if the U.S. defaults on its debt? Well, it, it, first of all, it, it's not imminent. Uh, we can probably uh, hang in there for another four or five months. It might be <clears throat> late summer before you, you, there's a real threat of default. Uh, we've had these crises before, and usually just when things get dicey, they cut a deal. In fact, I would say right now, Jim, the financial markets are not factoring in a default. I think they feel we'll get a deal at the very last minute. That said, there's going to be, have to be something to satisfy uh, the very conservative House, and not just Kevin McCarthy, but some of his members who are adamant about wanting to reduce the deficit. And I don't know what the plan's going to be. I'll be very honest. I think that uh, there could be an across-the-board cut. Uh, there could be cuts to specific programs. You're going to have to exempt Social Security, Medicare, veterans' benefits. Uh, I don't see any tax hikes coming, as I said earlier. Uh, defense may get a little haircut, although it's a, it's a dangerous world out there, and I think defense will, will get an increase. But all of these things have to be resolved, I think, before we get an approval of uh, the debt ceiling. And it's going to go well into the summer before it's done. You know, when you talk about this approval, they got, and again, it is well into the summer, August, um, July and August are going to be time. But let me ask you this, and the question that I guess is on a lot of people's mind, all of a sudden, China floats a balloon over, and I mean, mm -hmm. I, I read something about a Miami art show where a a $45,000 balloon with somebody bumped the table and it broke into pieces. It was, it was hilarious. But, and it said that's the third or fourth big balloon accident this year. But I think what reality is you've got so much with China and it's Cold War brewing, and especially with them saying we're going to send something to Russia to aid in their war yep. effort, that's got yep. to create problems all around the belt. I would make the case, Jim, that this year is going to be the year where geopolitics dominates everything, more than the economy. We'll have an okay economy. Inflation will come down. We know the Fed's only got a couple more moves to come. The domestic stories, to me, are not as fascinating and uh, ominous as the geopolitical stories. So uh, you, you have to begin, of course, with Ukraine. And sadly, I don't see any resolution anytime soon as long as Putin is in power. Uh, and then you have to look at China, as you say. And I think here in Washington, there's real animosity toward China in both parties. I think there's agreement in both parties that China uh, doesn't play fair on trade. They spy on all of our companies. They treat their dissidents horribly. They threaten Taiwan. Uh, and now there's this new threat that they might send arms to Russia. So I, I think that uh, China will continue to be a pariah here in Washington with maybe even more sanctions. Forget about lifting the Trump sanctions. We might even put more sanctions on. And it's a fundamental reason why I think in the end we'll have to see more spending for defense. 
Mm, that's a that's a critical thought. I mean, when you think about spending more for defense, but I can see that. Greg Valliere is the chief U.S. policy strategist for AGF Investments. He's our guest. We're talking about what's going on in Washington. We talked about tax changes, Social Security, how the market's going to react if we have to default on our debt. And again, nobody mm-hmm. nobody thinks that's reality, Greg. I think you're right. I think people are just kind of saying. We'll fix that in the last minute. We've done it before. It's mm-hmm. not our first time. But you mentioned the Federal Reserve. Are they yep. going to continue? I mean, are they satisfied? I've heard this and read this, that, that Powell is kind of giving us a signal that they may be satisfied with 3% inflation this year versus their target of 2 What's your take on that? And will they continue to raising rates? And for how long? It's a good question, uh, Jim. I think that they'd be happy to get to three. We're still up in the five or six percent range. Exactly. I mean, the, la- the last set of numbers were no prize. So I, I think they'd be happy to get to three. Uh, they-, they raise rates later in March by 25, I think. 50 is not out of the question. But we've got 75 to go. So I think they're going, they're going to be three more moves of 25 basis points each. And then they stop and see if they have got inflation under control. They were way too naive and sanguine about inflation. Uh, I think Powell didn't think it was going to be that bad. And it's not anymore a story of oil or lumber or metals. It's labor. The labor market is still really, really tight. And as long as the labor market stays this tight, there's going to be upward pressure on on wages and uh, a Fed that still is nervous about inflation. When you talk about this, and you've got the history, so I want to hear your take on this. Does this look anything similar to the Reagan-Volker battle against inflation? I mean, I can remember when Volker started, he hit things hard. Yeah. came at it in a real big power that he backed off, and that cost him. Did we see some of that here? I mean, the transitory inflation. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was a big term, and yet we see it's not reality. Would you compare the two? A little. That's, that's interesting. I, I would say that uh, the, the economy needed some bitter medicine, and they got it from Volcker. He brought inflation under control, and it led to an extensive period of uh, prosperity. Uh, we're not there yet, but I think uh, Jerome Powell uh, is determined to get inflation under control. It might be the end of this year before inflation is truly under control. Once it is, the Fed may be able to start thinking about cutting rates, but I think we're still a year or so away from a rate cut. Wow. So so that's the issue right there, a year or so away. Is that because, does that lead us into this mindset of uncertainty? And how does the market, in your opinion, f- really react to that uncertainty? Well, I, I think that the market would like to see either a shallow recession or no recession, obviously. But I, I think there's some nervousness in the markets that the, the Fed is going to have to do more than the markets thought around Christmas time. Uh, three more rate hikes, I think, is a little more than the markets had expected. And I think people are going to be nervous looking at the inflation data. Uh, and again, the key factor is how tight the labor market is. Unemployment is at 3.4%. Uh, you've got, uh, whenever I travel around the country, I talk to people who say, we can't find any uh, laborers for plumbing, painting, waiters, waitresses, cooks, 
uh, busboy. I mean, there's all of these jobs in the service sector that are uh, can't be filled. So I think as long as the labor market stays this tight, the Fed will stay tight also. Yeah, that's the point. The Fed's going to have to follow through some of that. Greg Valliere, Chief U.S. Policy Strategist for AGF, AGF Investments. We are covering topics that I think is so critical for us as investors, for us just as consumers, about what's going on in D.C., Washington, D.C. Well, I got this question. Got to ask it. Everybody wants to know, <laughs> is Biden running for president? <laughs> I mean, you know I had to ask that. Yes, I did. I know. <laughs> and I have to make a confession. I was wrong. Uh, and nobody likes to be wrong. But late last year, I thought Biden would not run. And I said that. probably said it on your show. Yes, we talked and about it. I, I, and I thought then, and I still think now, that the idea of a president at the age of 86, and he would be 86 before he left office, that's that's too old. I'm sorry. It's a stressful job. I mean, we've all seen pictures of presidents, how they've aged while they've been in office. And I think 86 is, frankly, too old. That said... I think I am wrong, and I think Biden will run. Uh, it, it, it's a little risky. An awful lot of Democrats around the country think maybe it's time for somebody younger. But, you know, I, I, I never thought I'd be saying this, but I think it's possible we'll see a repeat. Biden against Trump. Uh, the new polls out in the last week or two have shown an increase in Trump's support. Uh, he's ahead of DeSantis in most uh, polling matchups uh, in key states. Um, so I think that DeSantis is intriguing. He's young. He's only 44. I think DeSantis has a chance, but it's increasingly to me looking like Trump against Biden. Hard to believe. Trump is 76. So this is, this is going to be two very, very old candidates. <laughs> you know, the reality is, I didn't think we'd ever be saying this, but, you know, it is time. We we need that 44. I mean, Nikki Haley is yep. young. You know, she's So she actually very openly made the comment, you know, about age. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, threw that gauntlet down quickly. I mean, DeSantis yep. hadn't done that. But, but what do you see politically if— the two of them. Is DeSantis got a shot at beating Trump out of, as far as his base is concerned? I think he has a shot. Uh, he's very popular in Florida. Uh, he, uh, the jury's still out on his personality. Uh, he's, he's, I, I think he, you could say he's not charismatic, uh, and I think that might hurt him a little. But Trump has baggage, you know. There could be an indictment coming out of Georgia or New York against Trump. Uh, he's got a lot of things to get through. Although if he's indicted, he, his base will just say um, it's a witch hunt. It's, uh, you know, they're picking on him again. So I, I think that, that, as usual, I, I have to say the same thing over and over again. You underestimate Donald Trump at your own peril. Mm. And I think he still has a chance to be the nominee. General election is tough. I mean, Trump's base is maybe 40, 45 percent in the country as a whole. That's not enough. There's too many moderates who, are, who would like somebody else. I think Trump can win the nomination. The general election would be tougher. All right, I've got one last question. And we, you know, this is one of those things. We just recently had an election in Chicago. And yep. the, incumbent, the incumbent, which normally would win there, did not. Is that mm -hmm. the beginning of something? Or is that just politics in general? 
Could be. There are a lot of factors unique to Chicago, but I would say this, Jim. The country wants fresh leadership. They, they want fresh blood. That's why Nikki Haley played up that issue two or three weeks ago when she announced. Uh, I mean, I have friends who are in their late 70s, early 80s who are very sharp, but I think the country needs uh, young pe- younger people. That's why uh, Haley's intriguing. That's why DeSantis is intriguing. And we may get Trump against Biden, but I think the country fundamentally wants to move to younger candidates. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, sir, as always, Mr. Greg Vallier, Chief U.S. Policy Strategist, AGF Investments, always does a fabulous job, covered great subject today with a plethora of amount of knowledge and just i just appreciate what you say to us and how you bring it around for us to understand it and uh you know i guess we'll have to do this again as we always do in a couple of months (laughs) just because you always give us information about what's going on in washington i look forward to the next interview and uh, thanks for having me on it was a lot of fun thank you sir i appreciate you very much all right. Well, Scott, you know, as always, it's great. I mean, he does a fabulous job, gives us some insight into some things and, and, and just helps us through that. Scott Jordan is also in the studio with me. I've got Scott and staying with us because coming up, Daniel Irwin's going to be in here, the professor from the Better Business Bureau. We're going to talk about some subjects that, I mean, I'll be honest with you, when we were preparing for the show, I got depressed. Because it's scam school personified. I mean, I've got to go change my checking account. I got to go change my the way I do business. I mean, it's terrible because scammers. Everywhere. I am so skeptical right now. I think I'm scared to drive my car. So that's the bottom line. But he'll be in the next half of the program. But uh, Scott, what did you hear from Greg Villar? I mean, you know, we talk about so much with him. He covers it. He talked about Congress. There are going to be tax changes in Congress. He talked about Social Security. You know, how's the market going to react to the, the default if we de- if the defaulted on the debt? I mean, there's so much. And your take, and how does the investor listen to all of this noise and stay focused on what they're trying to do? Well, we could do a whole show on that, Jim. And I'm, in fact, we probably have before. We have but before, <laughs> and we should. No, there's there was some good stuff in what he said. You know, it's it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen or, or predict how the economy is going to react to what's going to happen. I, I like, you know, I do think that inflation is still the the driving story right now. But the one thing that he said, and, and I, I do tend to agree with him on that, is geopolitics could play a bigger part of the picture going forward. So a lot of uncertainty out in the markets, um, a lot of uncertainty in the world right now. Who's who's going to run for president? Let's, who's going to be president? What let's direction talk about this geopolitics because, uh, you know, we haven't had that issue. Well, we started with, you know, last year, yeah. February of this time last year, reality. But that begins to play a kind of a unknown territory for us. I mean, the Cold War, absolutely, it was there. Yeah. And then the fall of the, you know, the wall and then Germany and the thing, that's part of it. But this seems to be heightened geopolitics. It, it is, and, and I would say, you know, our recency bias would tend to lead us to say, oh, we hadn't seen this kind of stuff before, but, you know, a little trip through history would we say, have. no, we've seen a lot of this before. You know, the, the World War II in the 40s, Korean War in the 50s, and on and on and on. So we've dealt with these kind of things before, and, you know, it can cause some some volatility in the market, and, and usually does when we have some significant geopolitical event. So that's always something 
that's on the short-term horizon. But I'll, I'll back up for a second and go back to say, okay, well, as an investor, as a as somebody who's investing to accomplish goals, how does that change what we're doing or how do we react to this kind of news? And I would say you have to be careful letting any of this affect your long-term investment strategy. So keep the emotions out is what yep, you're saying. Absolutely. And just don't let it have a strategy. I want to come back when we talk about that. I really want to help us understand the importance of a strategy and understanding how to navigate through all the news and the noise and the stuff that goes on. So if you just tuned in, of course, we're talking with Scott Jordan. Coming up, we're going to talk with Daniel Irwin from the Better Business Bureau. He's got some things about data breaches. He's going to talk about some of those, and Scott's going to help us develop the strategy. Just a lot of information that's going on right now that you need to stay with us and be a part of that. Just remind you that, of course, if you miss part of the show, you can catch it on an Apple podcast or Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast, just go to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Daniel Irwin, the Better Business Bureau, Greg Valliere, or AGF Investments. The views and opinions expressed are those of Daniel Irwin and Greg Valliere only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Of course, you're listening to Talk Money, and thank you so much for being a part of today's program. I want to remind you that if you've got a question or a comment or anything that you'd like to get to us, just send it to the text line, J-I-M, just type in J-I-M, 901-683-0989. That gives it to us. We'll put it on the air. We'd love to do that for you. This Today, we had some things that we could have done that way, but we wanted to save them for next week because there was so much information. I We've got Mr. Daniel Irwin from the Better Business Bureau, and he is going to dive into some subjects that are extremely important. Would you ever, have you heard of check washing? Well, you're going to find out that that's not putting it in the washing machine, but it is somebody that's got a scam. Scott, when we talk about a strategy, when we talk about all the noise, the, you know, the debt ceiling that we've got, the reality that we've got a presidential election, we got, you know, are they going to take a social security away? The, all those things. So here's the thought for you. I want to talk about just simply laying out how does a person build a suitable strategy to manage all this emotions, the noise that's coming at us all the time? Well, I would say, you know, when I when I see in, investors that make mistakes or investors that fail, it's usually for a few reasons. They first of all, they don't have realistic expectation expectations about what it means to be an investor. 
they don't have guiding principles that are that are kind of guiding their investment decisions and they operate without a plan. So unpacking that a little, let's talk about unrealistic expectations. If you're going to be a long-term investor and if you're investing for retirement or something that's long-term in nature, you're going to go through a lot of different political cycles, economic cycles, market ups and downs, geopolitical events. You have to expect that. And you're going to go through and expect market downturns. That's just part of being a long-term investor. So managing expectations. Managing expectations is critical. If you understand on the front end that that's part of this process, then you're a little less likely to get over-emotional when it happens. Now, I say a little less likely because it doesn't it doesn't mean you're not going to get emotional when it happens because, you know, we talk about this a lot. We're in a we're in a very our our media outlets are coming at us from all different directions now and they're always going to use scary headlines to get your attentions. You know, they're trying to get eyeballs and clicks and they're going to do it by scary headlines. So you're going to have all that coming at you. Uh, So if we're going through a downturn in the economy or a downturn in the market, which don't always coincide, but oftentimes do, there's going to be a lot of negative news coming at you. So it's hard, very hard not to get emotional, especially if you don't have guiding principles laying on top of your investment strategy. All right, guiding principles. Now, I know you talk a lot about yep. suitable diversification sure. and understanding that. And, of course, I, you know, I'll remind everybody that when we talk about diversification, that is not a guarantee against loss. It's just simply a way of managing risk. Investors cannot invest in an index. We understand that when you talk about that. But understanding that when you're doing that, it's a method. You know, when we talk about looking at diversification, look at asset allocation, it's a method used to really manage risk. And that's important. Absolutely. So tie that into helping when we think through that. How do we put this together for something that's a suitable managed portfolio strategy? So let's let's talk about some some fundamentals. So uh, you you mentioned asset allocation, diversification, and I would throw rebalancing in there. So what in the world is asset allocation? That is simply you know an, on a very high level, it's uh, you know how am I going to throw a mix together of stocks, bonds, and cash? You know how much am I having stocks? How much am I having cash? How much am I having bonds? in order to reach my goals. Now, again, the the whole plan should be driven by what you're trying to accomplish. And the asset allocation decisions, um, you know, first of all, time horizon plays into that. You know, longer-term investments, stocks or equities are more appropriate for those. Some some shorter or midterm things, maybe more bonds and cash in the portfolio for those types of investments. So time horizon, but also risk tolerance. How much of that volatility can I tolerate without bailing out and selling out of everything and getting over fearful? So that risk tolerance is very important in that as well. But also, what type of return are we needing? And notice I said needing, not wanting, because everybody wants the highest return they can possibly get. Uh, but a lot of people don't understand that risk and reward are very closely related in the investment world. So well, if, you're, if you're going for a higher return, you're, you're usually going to have to take a lot more risk in order to get that. And I think it's important, again, for me to say this. Asset allocation and diversification and even rebalancing doesn't really guarantee against loss. No. People need to understand that because the ups and downs are still going They're on. They're still going to happen. But it's a method used to manage risk. Right. And so that's right. what you're doing with your portfolio. So when you build that strategy... Staying with the strategy is critical. Absolutely. Stay in the course, you know, be it being diversified in that strategy as well. You know, in in the stocks and bonds, we're going to own a lot of different types of those and a lot of different strategies inside those categories. So we're well diversified. You know, like you said, that doesn't guarantee against loss, but it does mitigate risk by spreading it out. Y'all, a lot of people have heard the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's that's what diversification is all about. We're going to own a lot of different types of assets 
and then rebalancing that strategy per- periodically. We're, we recommend at least annually, maybe more often than that, you know, based on how the portfolio has performed. But rebalance is, is simply taking that initial strategy that we determined would get us the rate of return we need to hit our goals. You know, how much is in stocks? How much is in bond? How much is in cash? And let's say stocks have had a really good year and overperformed. Maybe your allocation to stocks is a little high now. So we'll sell off some of the stocks and put some of that back into the bonds and cash to get that original allocation back. So that rebalancing, it's kind of the, you know, what you're supposed to do, selling high and buying low. So, you know, it's just putting that that back in balance. Again, that doesn't protect against or guarantee against loss, but it is a way to mitigate that risk. When you talk about that, and, and again, I know there's so much we could cover with this this topic, and I want to come back and we'll dive into this. By the way, if you're interested and you want to know more about what Scott's talking about, just give him a call at the office, 901-757-5757. He will help you put together the strategy that he's talking about. And Scott, we when we talk about this, some of the biggest problems that a lot of investors, they, they put together something, but they fail to literally understand it. So I want you to cover, I know when we talk about a short-term strategy, mm-hmm. we think of zero to two years. Yeah, something in that range. And, yeah. and midterm goals or strategy yep. would be that three to eight years. And then yep. anything long-term is, is literally longer than eight years. Right. That's so important for people to understand when they put something together. Yeah, because it can be very tempting, especially when the, the stock market has been doing well. And maybe you've got a, a big expense coming up that's a, you know two or three years down the road. Maybe you're thinking of purchasing a, house, purchasing a house or something of that nature, and you're going to need this money. But you're looking, you've got your money sitting in cash, and you're looking over here, and the stock market's doing well. And it can be tempting, tempting to take that money, which is very short-term in nature, and try to dump it in the market to make a return. And as we saw over the last few years, that can be a very risky thing to do. So based on when you're going to need the money, that is part of what dictates that allocation strategy. You know, if it's money you're going to need in the next year or two, you may want to keep it in cash. No, you're not going to earn a very high return on that in most cases, but rate of return is not the issue there. It's access to capital and, and low volatility. Last question. When people are at this point where they had a great January and things looked pretty good, February has not been, you know, that great. Here we are into March. The reality is we have a tendency to react to that. Right. We change strategies. Right. We decide to buy more or we're going to go from being risk-oriented that we were prior. Now we're going to take the risk off, which is the worst time. How does a person manage that in, in just a few minutes here, just a few seconds? Well, I think working with, with an experienced prof- professional that's been through that, that can guide you through those ups and downs is is a very good good thing to have on your team. Uh, but just, you know, again, it's keeping that long-term perspective and understanding that this is normal. Volatility is normal. I would expect we're going to see a, a lot more volatility this year in the stock market. Um, so knowing that that's part of the process and expecting, going back to that first thing, we talked about setting proper expectations and not letting your emotions take over and try to try to time the market. The economy and markets can't be timed consistently. So staying the course, staying with the strategy is the best way of attaining those long-term returns that you often hear quoted about the markets. Well, that's a, a powerful statement. I think you have done a great job of giving us insight into what it means to stay the course, build a portfolio, and then don't get caught up in the emotions. That that is powerful, Scott. Thank you so much. Again, if you want to talk to Scott, 901-757-5757. 
888-345-5757. He will be glad to help you build a strategy, know how to put it together for you. It's just simply a phone call and uh, see if there's a way that you can work together. 901-757-5757. Thank you, sir. Great to be here, Jim. All right, it's time to go to scam school and the professor's in the house. And uh, we are going to talk about data breaches. And so, Daniel Irwin, it is a pleasure to have you in the studio, sir. Thanks for having me again. When you talk about data breaches, I guess there's a chance that you can see that in a lot of cases going on in the Mid-South today. Yeah, well, we all probably got a notice in 2022. Um, they, they are very, very common. But part of the problem is, is that we get them so often and we hear about them so often that we don't pay attention to them and we don't take them seriously. Here's a stat that's going to blow your mind, Jim. Last year in 2022, 422 million Americans had personal information compromised in a data breach. And that's an increase of almost 42% from 2021. And this is according to a new report that was just released by the nonprofit Identity Theft Resource Center. That's an organization that's been tracking data breaches for more than 15 years. Daniel, you're telling me 422 million Americans were affected by a data breach, but this is a country that only has 330 million people. So how are they counting that? That's a really, really good question. Now, multiple people are affected in multiple data breaches, okay. right? So that's how they do it. And uh, then also children, right? Uh, in that number, right, there, there are lots of children. Well, you know, they, their data is being compromised as well, right? So we, we see things all the time like uh, medical offices, but, you know, uh, pediatric offices, medical device companies, right, that have the information of your children. I like what you're doing because I have the same question too, Tyler, and the reality is I got to thinking, you know, we're dumb and sometimes we're just dumb more than once. Yeah, well- I and, mean, and, you know, we're just cautious, we, we try to be cautious, right. but we get caught up in the moment. And, and, and when I say data, I mean personal information. Some of that information includes, but not limited to, social security numbers, birth dates, uh, uh, places where you've lived, uh, employment, uh, passwords, bank and credit card numbers. And what's really scary and something we're seeing more and more of is medical histories. That's what's really alarming to me. That's a big deal. So what happens? What are you, what's your advice? If I get a notice from somebody that says I've had a data breach, what, tell me what to do. Well, you need to take it seriously and you need to investigate and see how it might affect you. For instance, some of the data breaches, and, and, and let me just go back to the stats. There were 1,802 reported data breaches in 2022, right? Now, not all of those were major, right? They weren't all major events. Not Some of them were small companies, and sometimes maybe all that was lost was your, your date of birth or maybe your address or something. But keep in mind that that all adds up. So basically, uh, Jim, that there's when when there's a big data breach, all your information is stolen and it's sifted through databases. And so there may be a file and it may say Jim Shoemaker. Well, there may be 20 Jim Shoemakers out there, but it all gets put in that file. And so it gives that scammer information on you and they use that information in common scams like email scams. Uh, we've talked about this in the past before. You get a phony, fishy looking email, right? That you just usually would know it's a scam, right? But if it's got an old password, Word on it, it might make you think, wait a second, what, what, what's my old password doing on it? Then you engage, right? Then you do what you're not supposed to do and you email back or you click that link and then they've got you because then that's when they hit you up with the rest of it. They're like, oh, well, you know, uh, do you live at such and such and such an address? And you're like, oh, maybe this is real, right? So let me ask you this. Now, you mentioned medical history. Mm -hmm. 
That's a big deal. Talk it's about a big it. deal. And I'll, I'll tell you what scammers are doing and why it concerns me. And this is something that we have seen, and this is a really new tactic that we're going to see continue in 2023. But let's just take a, a Medicare scams, for example, right? Let's say that you're a senior and that you get a phone call from someone that purports to be from Medicare. And on your caller ID, it says, remember, we can't trust caller ID. On your caller ID, it says Medicare. And let's just say that they have the last four of your social or they have part of your social or they, they you know, hey, this is so-and-so from Medicare and they're asking you questions. And you already think, hmm. I'm not really too sure if this is a scam or not, but you, you, you've already, you've ignored the red flags. You're already engaged. You're talking to them. You've done what you're not supposed to do, right? You hadn't hung up the phone. So you're on, you, you're, you're on the phone with them. And then they, they hit you up with, well, do, did you, do you live at, at this address? And you're like, well, no, I, I lived there 10 years ago, but okay. You know, you've got my address. That's the wrong address. And then they're going to hit you up with, and weren't you diagnosed in 2015 with this condition, right? So it, it, it lends credibility to these scammers. And so again, we always say this is what they do all day long. These are these scammers' jobs. They, some of them, they're, they're schooled in psychology and, and, and salesman tactics. So in their mind, if they can get you on the phone and they can get you talking, they can sell you, right? What are, you know? And so it just gives them one more piece of information to make it credible yeah, to you. I, I think that's important because I think we say this, but we maybe don't say it enough. These are not amateurs. No, these, these, are, are, these are professional, professional crooks. Yeah, and so what happens is it just goes around and around. Hackers hack into databases. They take your information. They turn around. They sell that to other scammers, right? And again, there's profiles on people, and they take a little bit of information from this breach, a little bit of information from this breach, and then they go on social media, and they find the information that you've got on social media, and they use all that information together to victimize you. So again, you just have to take these seriously, and it's not all doom and gloom, right? It's not all, you know, the yeah, sky but it is does, falling. It, it builds a certain amount of skepticism. It, it does build a certain amount of skepticism that makes us question everything. And Absolutely. so the part of the problem is, is you never really know what's real. Yeah. I want to talk about social media breaches too, or those problems, with social media, but a couple of things you said, check your statements as soon as you receive them. That's yes. important. I heard Checking you say your that. Bank statements, yeah. And then file a fraud alert. And, yeah. you know, and with credit reporting, I mean, get be proactive. Right, be proactive. So let's say that you get a data breach notice from uh, a company and uh, they say in that data breach notice that po it's possible that your social security number had been compromised. You don't know. Well, then that would, if you're being proactive, the first thing you would do is, hmm, I got this data breach notice. Let me pull my credit history and just check to make sure everything's okay, right? That's the only way you're going to know. And then if you see things on there that are inaccurate, you can go ahead and dispute it immediately, right? Because the sooner you start that process, the better. Oh, and then you can take it another step. Okay, well, it, it looks to everything's in order now, but keep in mind, once your social security number's out there, it's out there forever, and forever. it's going to be sold and sold and sold and sold. So I would say then you're going to want to maybe contact the, 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 you know, them, and then you're going to want to put a freeze or alert on your credit, right? So you're being proactive because again, once your information's out there in cyber, it's going to be continue to be sold forever. All right, let's, I want to go to this second subject because social media is so big and I know scammers exploit social media. Uh, and I got Tyler in here. So as the producer, you know, he's never had anything like this to happen. And social media, he doesn't. He's not on media. it. He doesn't, he know doesn't about even it. know what we talked Definitely about. Definitely didn't get victimized over the holidays. No, you didn't. No, I, wasn't gonna, I didn't say that. I wasn't going to bring it up, Did you Tyler? say it? I, I didn't, didn't say, say it. it. I didn't say oh, it, Tyler. true confession is good for the soul. But let's talk about social media, yeah. guys. I mean, this is a big issue. 
So nationwide, over 30% of people who reported to our BBB scam tracker that they lost money in a scam in 2022 said it originated on social media. Now, that's a nationwide statistic. But Jim, when we look at the numbers from Shelby County alone, it's 42% of Shelby County residents who lost money to a scam and reported it to us said it started on various social media platforms. And that's a crazy statistic. That's That's something that we've not seen, but that's something that we're going to continue to see moving forward. That number, I I, unfortunately, is only going to go up. Do you see that as being a a common thing? And you say going up, is it some, what do you say to us then? I mean, so many people are addicted to social media. It's it's like driving a car. It it really is like, social media is like driving a car, right? If you follow all the traffic laws and you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing and you're paying attention and you're not playing on your phone, you know, chances are you're going to get from A to B without being in a wreck, right? Um, It can happen, but statistically speaking, you're probably not going to be in a wreck every single day, right? It's when you aren't paying attention and you're speeding and you're drinking a Coke and you're eating a sandwich and you're, you're distracted with your phone. That's when you're at more risk of having a wreck. Same thing with social media, right? We should always be aware that these scams happen on social media, be more aware about what we're showing and what we're posting on our own feeds, and then being aware of what's coming to us. We need to be aware that a lot of these social media scams uh, happen from fake profiles from your friends. So we need to be careful about who we let into our space and then what we allow and what, what, what we sift through and how we then take that information and then how we, you know, how we distribute that. And, and you mentioned Tyler. Tyler, I'm going to mess with you one, one more second. Uh, um, just go for it. the most common, uh, the common scam reported on social media. Do you know what it was? Shopping. It, well, it was people ordering something advertised on social media and never received it. <laughs> so, again. Now, we're beating him up. Uh, we, you know? we are. You know, he could cut us off any minute. You if know I that. can save other people from being scammed, I'll do that. There yeah. you go. And there then, you go. And then, again, so some other things, investment scams. That's not going to come uh, as a surprise to you, Jim. Nope. Investment scams, especially concerning cryptocurrency, were high up on the list of, of, of uh, scams that were perpetrated on social media. And this is a, a staggering statistic. 98 percent of people who reported and fell for the government grant scam said contact was in, was initiated on social media. Now, that government grant scam is when these scammers try to make you think that there's a government grant that only you can get. And they want you to pay for it. And somehow, pay yeah. cryptocurrency, yeah. whatever. Okay. Yeah. All right. We talk about Facebook. We talk about, we got a, boy, a minute left. It just flies by. You know, you're just, it's amazing. Here's the thought. Check washing. Yeah. I mean, I, I just... Talk to me about what's going on. So uh, we've all seen in the news an uptick on mail theft, right? You've probably seen uh, uh, TV stories on how those mailboxes are getting broken into. We've all heard about that. Well, one of the reasons why we've seen such a spike in mail theft is check washing. And check washing is when someone steals your check from one of these mailboxes. They use household chemicals to quote unquote wash off some of the ink, right? And they they change the payee uh, and they change the the amount on the check uh, just slightly, and then they turn around and they 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 cash that check themselves. So essentially, they're turning twenty five dollar check into two hundred fifty dollars, twenty five hundred dollars. Just washing like, this check. You're talking about just a ink. simple little mm-hmm. easy to do with detergent. Right. 
washing the household signature. chemicals. They what? can wash that ink with that wow. check, and then they can write that check however they want to. Um, and what's really nasty about this scam is you often have no idea that it's happened until someone that you wrote the check to never gets the check, right? And even when you're reconciling your bank account, you see, oh, okay, that 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 check went there. That was the right amount. But you don't even know. Some people will take it a step further. Remember, they can change the payee, so you may have no idea. You're reconciling your account. Okay, that check went there, right? I see that that went through. So they didn't change the amount, but they changed the payee. So you, you're thinking that your check made it to where it's supposed to go. And in reality, someone has stolen your money. How do you avoid this quickly? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. First off, if you're still going to write checks, make sure that you're using a gel, a black gel ink pen. It needs to be a gel ink pen. That ink can't be washed out. Regular blue and black ink pens have ink in it that can be washed. So just use a black gel ink pen. Um, make sure you're taking anything with checks in. You don't want to leave in any drop box. Make sure you're taking it into the post office, watching them physically put it in the in, in that box. Make sure you're doing that. Get your incoming mail right away. Don't leave your mail in mailbox overnight. And, um, you know, like I said, the, one of the biggest things that you can do is just be proactive, right? If it's been a couple days and you're looking at your account and that check hasn't reconciled, call whoever it is that you're writing that check to to make sure that they got it in time. I appreciate that, sir. You know, Daniel, you always do a great job, sir. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate the opportunity to come on your show. I want to thank my guests, Greg Valliere, of course, and Scott Jordan and Daniel Irwin. You have questions for Daniel. You can reach him at 901-759-1300. Always a pleasure to have Daniel on the program. And again, if you have questions for Greg or Scott, you can reach them at 901-757-5757. I want to remind you, you can find our show, Talk Money, or Apple po- on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast, and we thank you so much for that. If you have questions, type them to Jim, J-I-M, on the text line, 901-683-0989. Next week, my guest, Kurt Zarnowski, Zarnowski Consulting. We're going to talk about changes in Social Security for 2023. Scott Jordan's going to talk about some estate planning basics And Tim Van Horn's going to be here talking about real estate news in Memphis and Shelby County. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 9 a.m. I want to thank our producer, Tyler Springs, guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production and marketing assistant, Lauren Norsworthy, compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong, and Kimberly Payne. Thanks so much for listening. We're here for you each and every week, helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.